Good evening. We're going to be in Luke 14 again this evening. If you can get your Bibles out and turn with me there. kind of did these backward. I did the second half of Luke 14 this morning. I I thought that was an extremely powerful lesson uh, for everybody to hear on Sunday morning. And tonight we're going to look at the first 24 verses and see the powerful lesson that he gives us there. I'm looking forward to our study together. Hope you'll join along with us. Uh, In Luke chapter 14, we see something fishy going on. Uh, Notice as we study together, let's read the first six verses. It says, One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man of dropsy, a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. So this text starts us off with a very interesting situation where we're kind of wondering what's going on here. It says it's a Sabbath day and Jesus is going to dine at the house of a Pharisee ruler. He's done that before uh, and, and here he is again going to the house of a Pharisee. This time it's a ruler and the text tells us they're watching him. <laughs> they're watching him closely and then out of nowhere, behold there's a man with dropsy. You get the feeling like this is some kind of a setup. Uh, they're, they're setting him up to see what he'll do on a Sabbath day. Will he heal on the Sabbath day? Well, Jesus has had no problem healing on the Sabbath day many times in Luke. In fact, already four times he has healed on the Sabbath day. And here is this man. What do they think that he's going to do? Well, before he heals the man, he looks at them and he asks him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Here's your opportunity. Tell me what it is that's so wrong about healing on the Sabbath day. Where is it at in the law that I'm breaking the law? The text says they remain silent because it's not in the law. It says you shall not work on the Sabbath. And he is healing. He is helping someone who is in need. And so he heals the man and he has the man uh, sends him away. And then he looks at him again and says, Which one of you would not, if your son or your ox had fallen in a well on a Sabbath day, which one of you would not pull him out? Of course you would. You wouldn't let him die. You would help him. Doing good on the Sabbath is not wrong. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And you know this. He's pointing out their hypocrisy. They're they're wanting to judge him for healing on a Sabbath day even though they would do the same. They would do something good. But the difference here is, this is a man that's not connected to them. Right? It's, it's, a, it's not their son. It's not their ox. So they couldn't care less if this man were to die today. Jesus ought not be healing on the Sabbath day. But He does it anyway. Well, I guess the, the dinner party is canceled, right? Uh, No, they don't have anything to say in response to this. Jesus makes this point, and then the next thing we know, they're in the house, about to dine together. And it tells us something interesting. There's a reversal. 
They are watching Him at first, and now it seems Jesus is watching them. Jesus is sitting back, and you can just picture Him in the room as they get there, and He's observing how they act among each other. As they're preparing to to eat dinner together, uh, you have to think about their reclining at table. If it's a lot of people, they would have like a U-shaped table with the host right at the the center of the U. And the best seats are going to be next to it. Well, everybody's trying to get in there and get the best seats. And Jesus is just sitting back and watching what they're doing. You could just picture one of the guys taking his cloak and going up and setting it in the best seat, right? Or you could, set, you could picture a guy grabbing a cup. This is what we would do. We write our name on it, and then we put it right there. And that's the best seat, and there's my cup. And then you could picture another guy coming up with his cup and taking that guy's cup. And that's the best <laughs> right? That's, that's what they're doing. They're jockeying for the best seat in the house. So that they're involved in the best conversation, so that they're able to get their two cents in, so that they're able to be seen. And as Jesus sees all this go on, He comes out with another parable. In fact, He comes out with two parables. The first parable, He says, is whenever you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit at the best seat. He says, if you sit at the best seat and someone who's more important than you comes in, the host will go to you and say, I need you to get up. I need you to go somewhere else because he's got to have this seat. And you'll be forced to sit in the lowest seat. Instead, Jesus says, seek the lowest seat. Sit at the lowest seat and then the host will see you and he will exalt you to the best seat. The one who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. But he doesn't just stop there. Then Jesus looks at the host, and he says to him, whenever you invite someone to your dinner or your banquet, don't invite the people that you've invited here. Don't invite your best friends. Don't invite your neighbors. Don't invite those who can repay you. Instead, invite those who are poor, those who are lame, those who are blind, those who are crippled, those who cannot repay you. And because you invited those who who cannot repay you, you will receive repayment at the resurrection of the just. Now, can you sense the tension in the room as Jesus says all of this rebuking Stuff to these people. Is there anybody he has not offended? <laughs> no, he's, he's making sure to get everybody in this. You could cut the tension with a knife. How are they going to respond to this? Well, they don't respond in silence. Verse 15 says, somebody speaks up and says, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. <laughs> What? <laughs> Where did that come from? He just he played off of the resurrection of the just and said, "Hey, let's lighten up the mood a little bit." <laughs> you can you can sense the awkwardness of what Jesus said, and now he responds in this way to lighten everything up, to to transition the conversation into something more cheerful, into something much easier to talk about. But Jesus responds in a way that doesn't let anybody off the hook. He tells them another parable. 
This parable is of a man who has a great banquet. And he invited many to his banquet. And he got everything ready and prepared for the banquet. He sent out a servant to go gather everybody who had been invited. But one by one they made excuses and they said, uh, I've got, I've got, I've got, I just bought a field and I've got to go see it. Or, I've, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I've got to go have them tested. And another one said, I just got married so I cannot come. Now that one, maybe there's a little bit of understanding. Not really. But they, they, they were invited to the feast. They refused to come, even though they already told them, yes, we will come. Now they're refusing to come. So what is the man with the banquet going to do? He's got all this food. He's got everything set up. Who's going to eat this? So he goes, he sends his servant out into the streets. He invites all of the poor, the cripple, the lame, the blind into his banquet. And he sees there's still room. So he sends his servant out again to the highways and the hedges to gather up anybody who will come to his banquet. And he allows anyone who would come to come and to enjoy his banquet. But those who were invited will not enjoy it. Why did Jesus respond like this? I want you to imagine everybody there after being offended... Hearing these words, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then they go from being hurt to being, oh yes, that'll be so great. I can't wait to eat bread in the kingdom of God. That's just going to be wonderful. You could just see them imagining themselves eating bread in the kingdom of God with with Judah and Jerusalem being exalted and, and everything being set right. And here Jesus comes with this parable telling them, They're refusing the invitation. By not listening to Jesus' words, they are making excuses to not come to the feast. What is the Pharisees' problem? Well, the answer is in verse 11. What he said in the midst of all these parables... For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. They're humble, they're they're exalting themselves. They are they are exalting themselves, they're self-serving, they're self-exalting in, in all that they're doing. They're seeking to be first. Putting themselves even over Jesus and over God. I want to think about these two statements in verse 11 a little bit more. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. First of all, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Who is it that exalts themselves? Let's think about this for a minute. Who do we know of who likes to exalt themselves? Does anything come to mind? Have you you seen any commercials about... Any kind of politicians lately (laughs) telling you how great they are and how much they've accomplished. And maybe it's not them, maybe it's someone else talking about them, but you know, they supported that. 
That's who we think of, right? That's the guys that are really boasting, exalting themselves. Maybe you know somebody who's kind of a know-it-all, who kind of does exalt themselves and boast about themselves and talk about how great they are. Is that who Jesus is talking to in this situation? I want you to think for a minute about how the Pharisees are exalting themselves in this text. What is it exactly that they're doing? They're inviting people to their to their home. Is that is that really a problem? I mean, they're being generous. They're serving others by giving away food and by having them over. It's a lot of work. Jesus is the one being rude, coming into their home and offending them. But what's their motivation for having people over to their house? Why is Jesus so critical of their hospitality? Because it's all for them. It's all self-serving. You see how they're kind of hiding their self-serving and their self-exaltation? It's not that they're openly bragging about themselves, but it's that they're using every opportunity to increase their stature, to increase their reputation and what everyone else thinks about them. That's what Jesus is condemning here. Doing good for their own benefit. Do we do that? Do we do good for our own benefit? Do we do things so that others might think well of us, that we might be liked? Yeah. (laughs) Do we not? What about our heart? You know, it's funny how we don't have the ability to create commercials about ourselves, right? We don't, we don't really do that. Can you imagine me creating a commercial to promote how great I am? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Who would do that? But hasn't social media given us a platform to show ourselves? Look at me. Look at how great I am. Look at how much money I make. Look at how successful I am. Look at how great my family is. Look at my house. Look at my car. Look at how perfect my life is. It's easy. Any of us who have had social media, we've witnessed it in others. And I think we've all pretty much caught ourselves wanting or doing the same thing. It's easy. Social media is an easy way for us to exalt ourselves, to promote ourselves. It's kind of hidden. We're just showing people our lives, but that's what we're doing. (laughs) We could do the same thing as the Pharisee. We can invite people over to our house. And who are we inviting? And why are we inviting them? Is it just our friends? Is it just our neighbors? Are we inviting the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind? Are we inviting those who can't repay us? Jesus says that those who do these things will be humbled. Anybody here ever been humbled? How do you feel being humbled? You exalt yourself. You show everybody how great you are, right? And then you do something really dumb, and everybody sees that too, and then it's like, okay, it's not as great as it appeared to be. And it's kind of funny how 
you know, we've got these ways of showing ourselves to be so perfect. And those who seem so perfect seem to have huge problems in their lives. We've got a filter to just cover everything up, but behind the scenes it's a wreck. And when all that stuff falls apart, it's a humbling experience. It's it's embarrassing is what it is. It's humiliating. And how many times has that happened to us? We've done something or said something that caused us to be humiliated. How do we feel about that? Don't we hate that? Don't we cringe at that? It's, it's terrifying, you know, to, to have yourself exposed like that. Have you ever responded like the man in verse 15 and completely changed the subject to something else because this is getting awkward and uncomfortable? Uh, you're exposing my weaknesses. That's not good. I need, I need to change the subject. Jesus wants us to understand That if we exalt ourselves, it's just a matter of time before we will be humbled and be brought down to the level that we need to be at. And that's okay. That's a good thing. We need that. Instead of feeling upset about it and maybe acting like this man in verse 15 who has turned his heart cold to the truth of what Jesus has said, instead of forgetting about it and ignoring it as though it's not a problem in my life, sweeping it under the rug, Jesus wants us to appreciate being humbled and learn from it. That's what this is all about. The one who exalts himself needs to be brought low that he might be exalted by God. Because everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. When we, when we lift ourselves so high and we get brought so low, now's the time when God can work with us. After we make all these mistakes and after we're brought to our lowest point, now's the time when change can happen. And everyone who will humble themselves can now be lifted up and exalted. But how hard is it for us to humble ourselves? You know, we may, we may be affected and embarrassed, and then for a little bit we may think, okay, I need to change. But then we may go back to trying to exalt ourselves back up the way that we were. This is kind of the way that it works for me. Maybe it works that way for you too. We just, we just kind of want to lift ourselves up. There's that desire inside of all of us to be the best, to be the greatest, to be exalted. But Jesus says... Everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Not only being humbled because we're wrong and people point that out, but we humble ourselves. Jesus wants us to change the way that we view ourselves by saying, take the lowest seat. He's saying, choose to be the lowest. But isn't this counterproductive? I mean, really... We fear this. We fear being the lowest. If I'm the lowest, then how am I ever going to receive any benefit? How am I ever going to be exalted if I'm the lowest? Taking the lowest seat is really talking about having the most humble attitude. The attitude that says, I don't deserve anything. 
I don't need to be exalted. I don't need to be uh, looked upon as the greatest because I'm really not. And, and I don't necessarily deserve the best seat in the house. It's having an attitude of, I'm okay with not being the greatest in the room. But this is hard for us, isn't it? Jesus is our perfect example, once again. We talked about that this morning. Of someone who has been so much greater and so much better than any of us, but then He brought Himself to the lowest position on earth and considered others as greater than Him and served those who were really under Him with love and mercy and tenderness. He was seeking to help the blind, to help the crippled, to help the lame. And He's not seeking the approval of men. Think about it. He's at the house of a Pharisee. Does He care what the Pharisees think about Him? If He does, He really took a misstep here. (laughs) Healing on the Sabbath, that probably wasn't the best decision. He just He's a great example for us because He doesn't care about being exalted in this life. It doesn't matter to Him. It, it doesn't mean a hill of beans if He is the most well thought of in the room. If everybody loves Him, He has a humble attitude. And that's our goal. Our goal is not to project a fake greatness. But our goal is to stop seeking our own benefit and our own greatness and start seeking to exalt others as greater than ourselves. This is not easy to do. As we've said, it's, it's hard to be humble in a narcissistic culture that pushes we have to be the greatest nation, we have to be the greatest state, we have to be the greatest people in our workplaces and get all the trophies and medals for ourselves. So how are we going to be excited about being the lowest, about being humble? Well, Jesus gives us three motivations as we study this text. We see three of them. First of all, we see Jesus tell us that if we choose to humble ourselves, it's going to work out that we're actually exalted by men. We're not doing it for that reason, but People like humble people. People like people who are lowly and considerate and caring about others and putting others first. It's actually going to work out in our benefit, uh, earning us respect and admiration that we wouldn't get if we were seeking to serve ourselves. All of this glory that we will be getting in this life then needs to be turned around and used to glorify God. God is going to make us into influential people if we humble ourselves. He's going to promote us among our uh, co-workers, among our fellow students, among all those around us, because we will be the kind of people that people enjoy being around. And it will enhance our influence for others that we might show them the way and glorify God. So we can get excited about being humble because we're going to reap this major benefit in our own lives. 
We may not receive all the the glory and, and we may not even get to sit at the best seat and we may not be as well thought of as someone who pompously exalts themselves and promotes themselves. But we will receive some repayment in this life. And then it, Jesus goes on to say, even if you don't receive repayment in this life, God's keeping up with it. Everything we do for those who cannot repay us God will repay us in the end. God knows everything we're doing for those around us. God knows how we're humbling ourselves and how we're living a life in service to others. And He wants us to be exalted, but if we're not exalted, He wants to repay us in the end. If we suffer in this life, it's just greater repayment in the end. That's what it's about for us. God being satisfied and desiring to give us a repayment that we don't even deserve. You think about the third parable in this text. We see the third uh, reason, the motivation Jesus gives us for being humble people. Who are we in that parable of the man holding the great banquet? We're the outcasts. We're those on the highways and hedges who didn't know God, but God decided to bring in and gave love to and gave the ability to sit at His table to be with Him. We didn't deserve this. God is so much greater than we are. We'll never be as great as God. We ought not to exalt ourselves as though we are great because in in relation to God, we're just not. So what seat are we going to take? Where are we going to sit? In our classroom? In our home? In our workplace? Wherever we're at. What kind of attitude will we choose to take? Knowing that if we exalt ourselves, it will not end well for us. Jesus said at the, at the end of that last parable, For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. That was about his banquet. All of that was about the, the banquet he was planning, that he is spending countless hours preparing for these men who are sitting at this table to enjoy, but they're refusing in order to exalt themselves, in order to serve themselves. They're refusing to come to the table that He's preparing for them. But we can all eat at that table. The the invitation is open to all of us to come to the table to eat bread with God, to eat bread with Jesus. It just takes us humbling ourselves serving others who cannot repay us and submitting to the will of God. These Pharisees act like the world around us. As we look at this story, we see in them the way everyone around us is. Seeking to be first, seeking to be the most well-loved and respected, taking every opportunity and every advantage to exalt themselves. And here is God, here is Jesus telling us 
they're going to be humbled in the last day. And we will too if we follow their path. Are you thankful for the mercy of God? That even though we all desire to exalt ourselves, even though we put ourselves first as the greatest, over and over again, and we're humbled over and over again, we can turn to God and find forgiveness. God understands the the fleshly nature inside of us to exalt ourselves, and He's willing to be merciful if we'll just humble ourselves. Come to Him asking for mercy. He will give grace. He will allow for us to enter into His banquet and to eat bread with Him. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? These men were imagining themselves doing that, but they didn't understand. They were refusing the message. What about us? Will we accept the message and will we get that opportunity? If there's anybody here tonight who needs to accept that message and to do God's will and put put Him first, please make that change tonight. Please come as we stand and sing.